All right, today I'll be reading the word. We're going to be in John chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you. So it'll be in John chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. So please stand as we read the word. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare to you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word informs us of a very... Uh, real and present help, our our help needed from you. And you send us the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the helper to come and, and be our guide, to be our convictor, to be the one who leads and guides us and directs us into righteousness, and ultimately the one who leads us to glorify your name. So we're thankful for that. Lord, we're also thankful as we sung in that song, um, we are all prone to wonder, wander. We all feel that, prone to leave the God I love, but because of the Spirit who had given us to seal us, to bring us back, Lord, we are so thankful for His ministry in our lives. So, Lord, I pray this morning that as we may come to a familiar text, Lord, that You would uh, teach us, teach us by the helper in which You've given us that lives inside of us. Please do away with our pride. Let us be guided by our humility. And let us have ears to hear what you would have to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go ahead and be seated. John 16, 4 through 15, I've entitled the message, Help is on the Way. When I was about 10 years old, we, lived, we grew up in Tucson, Arizona, uh, my family and I, so we go to San Diego a lot for, for vacations. And we went one, one time, I was about 10 years old, and we went on vacation, we met our cousins there, and, and they lived in San Diego, and, and I was about 10, and, and my other cousin was about 15, and we, as soon as we hit the beach, man, we were out swimming in the ocean. Then all of a sudden, uh, I realized that as we were out in the ocean swimming, I could not get back to shore. Both my cousin and I, we got caught in what's called the undertow, or apparently that's not the right word. It's the rip current. You know, when the waves go down and as they come back up, we got caught in that powerful thing, and we couldn't get back in because the waves were pushing us back out to sea. And so my cousin, you know, being from San Diego, uh, I saw his presence around, gave me peace because I'm like, hey, this guy's been in this before. He can help get me out of it, right? So I'm like, you know, help, help, and I turn and I see him swimming away from me. And it was at that moment 
that I had this incredible feeling of fear come over me. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble because my helper just left me and I'm all alone. Well, obviously, I didn't drown since I'm here, right? Uh, by God's grace, uh, the lifeguards were doing that, their job today. So David Hasselhoff showed up, and I jumped on his surfboard, and he took me back in. Um, so I'm thankful for the lifeguards doing this job. Well, this morning, um, we see again that the disciples are troubled. We're going through this series in John, John chapter 13, that there's an upper room discourse, and Jesus keeps saying, I'm going away. I'm, I'm going to the Father. I'm not going to be a, around you anymore. And it says in John 14 that they're afraid. They're troubled. Why? Because for the last three years, they have given their lives to Jesus. They left everything to follow him. They believed that he was the Messiah, he was the Savior, he was the king that was prophesied in the Old Testament. They believed that his kingdom would come and he would reign, and it was just a matter of days before he would set it up on earth, and now all of a sudden he's saying, I'm leaving you, I'm going away. So they are troubled, they don't know how to process what Jesus is saying. Jesus understands this, being the good father that he is, he understood that they were, they were afraid, they were, they were sorrowful. Therefore, he said this truth in John chapter 16, that I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's to your advantage that I go away because something better will come to lead and guide and direct you. And so this is good news for us this morning as well. Uh, because we, just like the disciples, uh, sometimes in our lives following Christ have trouble, uh, feel alone are afraid. And the great news is that the helper is still working today. The Holy Spirit is still working today, just like he was in the disciples' lives some 2,000 years ago, giving help to those in need, you and me this morning. Maybe some of you in here are troubled. Maybe there's something that you're afraid of. You're, You're going through a time that is bringing fear into your life. Well, today the Spirit is with you to help you through that situation. So let's see exactly how the Holy Spirit can help you and me this morning overcome our anxieties, our troubles, our fears that we feel sometimes in our Christian journey. Now one thing, quick thing, I want to talk about the flow of the message. We're going to spend the majority of our time on the first two points and then a smaller time on the last two. So if we're, you know, 30 minutes in this thing and you're like growing on point two, don't freak out. We're not going to be here uh, most of the day. We'll go finish up. So that's the flow. So first, the advantage of the Holy Spirit, the helper. The advantage of the helper, verses 4 through 7. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, meaning the beginning of his ministry, when Jesus called them three, about three, three and a half years ago, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. There's that sorrow. Verse 7. Nevertheless, Jesus is saying, I want to get right to the point to help you through your time of sorrow. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. These are some of the most comforting words in all of Scripture for us this morning. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, here's the skinny, guys. Let me boil it down for you this morning. This is what you need to hear right now. It is to your advantage. It is expedient. It is actually a step forward for you in this journey that I leave and go away. The first advantage is why? Because if I don't go, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. So that's the first advantage of why Jesus 
is going away is because he's going to send us this helper. Then please focus your attention again on the Lord calling the Holy Spirit the helper. This is a huge point that he is underscoring. How many times has Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper? If you have the NIV, it might be counselor in the upper room discourse. He is referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper, the counselor, four times. And we know when, when Jesus repeats something, it's very, very important. So here he is highlighting, he's underscoring, he is directing our attention. He is driving home a point to the disciples and to you and me this morning. Something very specific about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is many things throughout Scripture. But in this case, for our time this morning, and for the disciples' time in this context, He wants them to know that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He is your helper. And so why the emphasis? Well, the simple reason is we need help, right? We live in a Genesis 3 world, a a fallen world. Well, there's pain, there's, there's trouble, there's trials, there's persecution, and we need help. Again, we've already said the disciples are they're shaken to the core. They, they, they're, they, they feel afraid, they're troubled because, they're, again, their leader is going away. Their emotions have overtaken them. So they're no longer really listening to what Jesus is saying. They're hearing what Jesus is saying, but they're not digesting it. They're not listening to it. They're not meditating on it. They're not thinking about it because they're, they're so enamored with their own selves. They're worried about themselves. And Jesus said, look, if you guys would listen that I'm going away, you actually would be rejoicing and not be sorrowful. But they're so overcome with emotion that they're not hearing what Jesus is saying. And we can get it, right? We'd be in the same spot as these disciples. Well, Jesus again gives them this great promise Again, Jesus, knowing the difficulties that await these disciples in us, he gives them exactly what they need. They need a helper. And it's not just any helper. Do you guys remember when we looked at this uh, in John 14, um, verse 16, um, we looked at this where Jesus says, I will give you another helper. Do you guys remember how important that word another was when we covered this passage maybe three or four weeks ago? That word another, when Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you another helper, that word another means another of the exact same kind as me. Not as another as of a different kind, but another as the exact same kind as me. Jesus is saying, hey guys, you have relied on me and my presence with you. Well, the Holy Spirit will be the exact same thing for you. He is God. He is the third member of the Trinity. He will provide you the same kind of help, wisdom, guidance that I gave you while I was with you. But actually, the Holy Spirit coming will actually give us better guidance than what Jesus could. What do I mean by that? Jesus in his humanity was confined geographically, right? He could only be in one spot at one time, right? So if Peter was at the Sea of Galilee and John was in Jerusalem and Jesus was with Peter in the Sea of Galilee, guess where Jesus wasn't? He wasn't with John in Jerusalem. So Jesus is God with us, but the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit, the Helper, is God in us. And that's a massive difference. Why? Because when Peter is in the Sea of Galilee, as Christ died, rose, sent the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, as Peter's in preaching in the Sea of Galilee, the Holy Spirit, God is with him, is in him, leading him, guiding him, directing him. And James, or John, in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is in him, leading, guiding, and directing him. So that is the second advantage that we see, that the Holy Spirit is God 
in us. And that is a massive advantage, even for us this morning. If Jesus was still around and didn't go away, he would be in Jerusalem, we would be in Fort Collins, and we would need help. But he couldn't help us. But because he sent us the Spirit that dwells in each and every one of his believers, God is with us, whether we're in Fort Collins, Jerusalem, South Africa, or Queensland. It's a beautiful truth. So with that being said, having this in mind, this second advantage, let me ask you a personal question. How... Have you, have you ever had times in your life where you just throw up your hands and go, man, I, this Christian life, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's just impossible. You have to show me your hands. Of course, we know that everyone in here has had those thoughts, has been in that place. That man, I, I can't do it. How often have you doubted Christ? And thought, man, I don't know if I could do this. This is more than I can handle. I I can't find victory in this area. This sin seems to have my heart. I can't can't find victory in it. I don't know if I can handle another setback in my life, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's another relationship. And here in this context is, I'm I'm afraid. Life is just just beating me down. I don't know where to turn. I'm I'm in trouble. Have you ever been there? Well, Jesus knew you would be there just as his disciples were there. And Jesus says, the best way that I can help you this morning in your distress, if this is where you're at, is I need to go away to the Father so I can send you the helper. If you're married in here, the Lord has given you husbands a wife, right? And we know that in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 2, the wife is called what? A helper. And not just a helper, but a helper fit for the husband, a perfect fit. She, in many ways, is the physical expression of this spiritual reality that Jesus is talking about here. Genesis 2.18 said, the Lord said to the, um, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man that he be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. We should call, him, call her sorry, woman. So what do we observe? First, we observe this, that most men are so needy that we need two helpers, right? We, we need a wife and we need the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing that we see. Second, wives, ladies, and even those singles that desire to be a wife, a helper is a compliment. It's not a derogatory term that you might find outside the world. It's actually a role, a title that implies strength. It's an empowering term. Right here, it means that your husband has weaknesses, and you have the wisdom, the strength, the understanding to help him in those weaknesses so that he can grow. So it's a compliment. It's also a compliment. Why? Because Jesus himself calls the third member of the Trinity, God himself, a helper. A helper. Jesus wants us to focus here regarding the Holy Spirit. He is our helper in the Christian walk. Where we are weak, He is strong. Where we are ignorant, He brings wisdom. When we are sorrowful, He brings rejoicing. When we are in trouble, He brings comfort. He's the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. So Jesus, again, we just looked at two reasons why it's to our advantage that Jesus goes away and He sends the helper. There's there's another one I want to touch, 
touch on. First, in John 14, 2, I'm not even going to talk about these. I just want to highlight these. He says, um, this is your advantage. I go away because I'm going to heaven to prepare a room for you. In John 14, 12, he says, I'm going away so you can do greater works here on earth. Um, but this is the one I want to focus on, advantage number three. Again, Jesus keeps on saying, I'm, I'm going away. I'm going to the, the Father. He keeps telling the disciples this. Let me ask you a question. What was the way in which he went to the Father? What was the path? What was the road? It was through the cross. It was through the cross. So this is the third advantage. What Jesus is saying, because I'm going to the cross, because I'm going to die on the cross, because I'm going to be raised again, it is then, it is proof that I am who I said I am, that I am the Savior, the Redeemer of the world and your soul. You see, the sending of the Holy Spirit is proof that Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father is proof that he fulfilled, he appeased the Father's justice and that he secured our redemption. That is an incredible truth. The Holy Spirit is the proof that Jesus fulfilled our salvation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit could not have been sent if Jesus did not fulfill and complete our redemption, his saving assignment on earth. Because we see that the Holy Spirit has a couple roles, again, many roles, but one is to seal us and one is to apply the saving merit of Christ's work, his life, death, and resurrection to our lives. He, he seals our salvation in Ephesians chapter 1, but then he applies it in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Listen to Paul as he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that for this purpose we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, therefore, since we received it, we know that Jesus redeemed us because we're now sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then heirs through Christ. God the Father, Jesus, sends us the Spirit to seal us as sons and helps us cry out to our Father. John Owen summed it up like this. When planning the great work of salvation, of saving sinners, uh, Jesus gave us two gifts. God provided two gifts. He gave us His Son and He gave us His Spirit. The love, the grace, and humility of the Son purchased our salvation. And the love and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit enabled sinners to believe and apply it. The Holy Spirit is our helper. It's to our advantage that God goes away. So what an advantage to know that our redemption is secured and sealed because we have the Holy Spirit. You see, these disciples are troubled and when they hear this truth, when they meditate on this truth, when we hear this truth and meditate on this truth, we understand that our trials, our afflictions, the persecution, the fear that we are feeling right now is just momentary. It's just momentary. That if we have the Spirit of God leading and dwelling on us, the helper, we know that He's going to check us in one day to our room that is in heaven. It's been accomplished for us. So that is another advantage. So let's look at three more reasons why it's better that he goes away so he can send us the helper. We see this in verses 8 through 11 or 15. Second, the helper who convicts. The helper who convicts. Verse 8. And when he comes, 
He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more, and then verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, what we see is most times when we read about the Holy Spirit, the helper in Scripture, he's always working with and for Believers, Christians, those who have repented of their sins and trusted with Him. Here is the one time in all of Scripture that we see the Holy Spirit is working on those who do not believe in Jesus. In verses 8 through 11. You see, it's the Holy Spirit's role to the world. He's bringing conviction to the world. To the believers, He's the advocate. He's the counselor. He's the, the helper. But to the world, He is the prosecutor. He is the prosecution. And and here specifically, he convicts. It means to bring to light, to expose, to convince. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in the world. To those who don't know Jesus, he's, he's come along to convict them, just like he came along to convict you and I when we were in the world, when we were not Christians. And he highlights three things here, how he convicts. Convict sin, righteousness, and judgment. So first, we see the helper will convict, (coughs) expose the people's sin of unbelief. Verse 9, he says, the Holy Spirit will convict concerning sin because they do not believe in me. I think if we would go out and take a poll in in downtown Fort Collins, go to Old Town and say, hey, just got a quick question for you, easy question. Do you think you'll go to heaven? Most people, probably, generally, We'll give the affirmative, and we ask them, okay, a follow-up question is, well, why do you think you'll be able to get to heaven? And they'll probably say something along the lines of, well, you know, I, I haven't murdered anyone, I haven't stolen anyone's car, I haven't stolen anyone's spouse, you know, I'm a pretty good person overall, you know, I've broken a couple of the Ten Commandments, but overall, I'm a pretty good guy, I'm a pretty good gal. That would probably be the response of many people in America, around the world even, We've already had contact with this. We have friends, we have family members that would would give us this answer. So we we understand what they would say. But here Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will come and convict of something very specific. Not being a good person, but the conviction that, that the Holy Spirit will bring to light to those who don't know Jesus is their unbelief. Is their unbelief. Is them not believing in Jesus. You see, that's what the ultimate baseline is to get to heaven. It's not that we keep the Ten Commandments. No, it's that we believe in who Jesus was and what He said. And what He said is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, by believing in me. In John 3, 16, He says, for God so loved the world, that what? That whoever, um, He gave His only Son, that whoever what? Believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. So the conviction of the Spirit is those who believe get eternal life, but those who disbelieve perish. And so that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So the good news for the disciples and for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit has come to convict and save people from their unbelief. He's done it in many of your lives. He's done it in my life. And this is great news, right? Jesus just told the disciples that, hey, persecution is coming to you. Not only did they hate me, but they're going to hate you, even to the point of death. Well, the good news is that the Holy Spirit, the helper that I'm going to send, is actually going to take some of these persecutors of you, these haters of me, and the Holy Spirit's going to convict them, and they're going to love me. 
They're, they're not going to hate you or persecute you anymore. They're going to love you, and they're going to actually come alongside you, and they're actually going to help you in your walk, and you're going to help them. They will serve you, and you will serve them. Now, that's great news. That brings comfort, or should, to these disciples and to us, that those are hostile. The Lord will convict some of them to bring them to saving faith in Jesus, and they will become your allies in this walk. More great news regarding this verse. Um, Whose job is it to convict hearts? Is it your job? Is it my job? No, it's the Holy Spirit's job. Not about you, but that is freeing. That is so freeing to me. You see, because too many people think the gospel is a sales pitch. And you're a bad Christian, I'm a bad Christian, if we don't close the deal, right? Have you ever felt that way? You go, you share the gospel, I mean, you just eloquently, you lay it out, and they're like, not believing it. That's the stupidest thing I've heard. How can you believe? Right? And we feel like, oh man, what, what, what didn't we do right? If I could have said this a little bit more clear. Listen, it's not a sales pitch, the gospel. The gospel is good news. It's a message to be proclaimed. It's a, it's a lifestyle to be lived out. So the pressure is off you and me. The Lord calls us. The Holy Spirit guides us. He empowers us to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. To, to live a life not perfectly that is gospel-centered and loves and serves and walks in humility. And that's our calling. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Think about your own conversion if you've repented and trusted in Christ. You know this truth to be true. I think about my own conversion when um, I, I received Christ, probably when I was about 18, 19 years old. I forget exactly how old I was when I received Him. Getting, but it was a senior year in high school. Many people over the years shared the gospel many different times on many different occasions. But it wasn't to that one time when I was alone in my room where that message got to my heart. It went from my head to my heart. And I was overwhelmed. I was pierced. I was like those in Acts chapter 2 where Peter proclaimed the gospel. And they were so pierced to their heart, they said, what must we do? That's where I was. What must I do? That was the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart. as the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart if you're a Christian. That is the same Holy Spirit, the helper, that will bring conviction to your friends and to your family members that do not know Jesus. What a great truth. The helper will convict of unbelief. Second, the helper of the Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness. Of righteousness. Verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. You see, the crazy thing is the Sanhedrin, the the Jewish leaders of the day, thought that by getting rid of Jesus, arresting him, beating him, killing him, and his followers, his disciples, was the righteous thing to do. They were convinced in their mind, like, that's the right thing to do. We got to get this guy and we got to kill this guy because he's upsetting the apple cart. He's upsetting our way of life. He's bringing chaos to our religious system. So therefore, we got to get rid of him. They were, thought they were actually being righteous. And doesn't the world do the same thing today? When, when, when talking about Christ or Christianity, they, they think it's a righteous thing if, we, if they can eradicate it, right? Then get rid of it. All these other systems of thought, all these other philosophies, all these other religions, except for Christianity, is righteous, is right. We'll we'll give our ear to them. 
maybe they, 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 they kind of cast it in the way of, I'm a righteous person because I'm tolerant. Because I'm tolerant. Those of you in Christianity are, are not tolerant. I just watched this, this interview, and I couldn't believe it was a serious interview. You guys might have seen it. Um, where uh, a college, I think it's in Indiana somewhere, they had this lady on, he's interviewing, demanded that any word with a word, any word or saying with the word man in it, M-A-N, should be stricken from our language because it offended her and it offends people. The word man offends people, so we need to get rid of it. And she was like dead serious. And so the guy's like, well, you're a woman, so if I called you a woman, that would be offensive to you? And she says, yes, I would prefer you to call me a person. And you're just like, are you, how are we even having this conversation right now? How's this, got, how's this even a conversation, right? It's offensive. We know that Genesis 2-3, that it's offensive, but God calls us men and then God calls us women. He, he took Eve out of Adam and called her woman. I mean, if we look around, what we see what the world causes calls righteous and calls, and calls unrighteous, it, it blows our mind, right? It blows our mind. It's insanity what the world calls righteous and good and what it calls bad. Well, the Holy Spirit will come to address this issue. He will use us to address it, but it's His role to address the world of what true righteousness is. And when the world comes, He will convict uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Helper comes, He will convict the world of not their righteousness, but their self-righteousness, just like He did for you and me when we were part of the world. He will show some of them that their view of righteousness is wrong, is off, is false. They will be cut to the core. They're, they will be cut to their heart. They will see that anyone outside of Christ is not righteous. They will see their own worldview as being unrighteous, and they will see Christ and His worldview the scriptures as righteous. Romans 3 says there's not one righteous, no, not even one apart from Christ. And the Holy Spirit will come and convict and turn some of those to the righteousness of Jesus. Listen to what Romans 10 says. Romans 10 verse 2 says, for I hear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but according to the knowledge for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own They did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's another role of the Holy Spirit. Not your role or my role, but the Holy Spirit's role. He will convict them of sin and unbelief, and He will convict them of what true righteousness is. And finally, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of judgment. Verse 11, concerning judgment because the rulers of this world is judged. You see, there's a process here. I think you guys have grasped that in these verses, talking about the Holy Spirit, the helper coming to the world. As the Holy Spirit will come to the world, the person that rejects God and his system, he will convict that person of their unbelief in Jesus. He will convict them of their perceived righteousness that is really unrighteousness, not righteousness at all, until they look to him. And also he will convince them that if this is your path, there is a consequence to it all. There's a consequence to disbelief. And that consequence is judgment. And the reality is there's a final judgment. And left to ourselves without repenting of our sins and believing in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, you will face the judgment of God. Just like Satan, the ruler of this world who already has been judged. And so this morning, 
Could this be anyone in here? That right now you're outside of Christ. You're not a a son or daughter of Christ. Today would be the day to, to listen to the words, but more importantly, to submit to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart. Is he convicting you of your sin? Like, I need to believe in Jesus as my Savior, as my Messiah, as the one who died for my sins and paid for my sins. And it's his righteousness that is righteous, not me just obeying the Ten Commandments or being a good person. Today is the day for you to submit to what maybe the Holy Spirit might be doing on your heart. And your family members and your friends that know Jesus would plead with you to do that as well. Well, third, we see the Holy Spirit is the helper who guides. Verse 12, the helper who guides. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Again, we saw in verses 8 through 11 that the Holy Spirit was, was working and speaking to the world. Now he, he changes, Jesus changes his uh, direction or his uh, point of emphasis on the helper, the Holy Spirit, shifts back to Christians and helping us. It says the helper will guide, he will lead, he will show us the way, he will illuminate our path in this world as Christians. Um, and how he does that is he, he does it into all the truth. Not only truth for today, and all that truth refers to Jesus Christ and His Word, but also the future. You see, the disciples, again, we are already feeling that they've been, been you know, fed with a fire hose. I mean, as we look at John you know, 13 through 14, actually through 17, we see a lot of red. I mean, it's just Jesus preaching. All this information has come, and He sees that the, the disciples' eyes have glassed over, right? I, information has glassed over. Sometimes uh, my wife and I... Um, we're talking, and, and Rita knows when she loses Aaron, right? Because she's talking, and Aaron's eyes go glass over. She goes, I, I lost Aaron. All right, I got to bring him back, right? So we, 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 Jesus has seen this happen to the disciples. And so he says, okay, I'm going to stop now. But there's more that I need to teach you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do that for you. He's going to do that for us. He's going to continue to teach through the Holy Spirit. Um, and we see this is exactly what happens in, in Acts when, the, when the, the beginning of the New Testament church and the disciples take over. Jesus ascended to the Father. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 because we know that Scripture tells us that the disciples, even though Jesus is telling them this, as they are working their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, they still don't believe it. They're still troubled. They're still afraid. They're up in the upper room uh, hiding out. And then when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and that power, that illumination, all of a sudden the disciples get a boldness and they go out and start proclaiming the gospel. Well, what is the, all the truth that the help of the Holy Spirit will guide us in? It's the 27 New Testament books that we have in our Bible. It's the scriptures that we have. It's, it's the, the help of the Holy Spirit is now going to elaborate, is going to dive down deeper into the topics, the themes that Jesus introduced to us. It's the 27 books of the New Testament. It's the book of Acts and how the Spirit will lead the disciples in the the beginning of the church. They'll they'll take the world by storm by the proclamation of the gospel and living in gospel community. It's Romans, it's Galatians that would give us a deeper understanding of the gospel. 
It's, it's, it's implications, it's nuances on how and what Christ's life, death accomplished. That's First and Second Peter that would teach us how to live in a world that's hostile to Christ. It's Hebrews that, that teaches us that Jesus is better than the temple. He's, he's better than the Old Testament prophets. He's better than the Old Testament sacrificial systems. And it's the future, it's Revelation, which teaches about the second coming. The one book that has yet to be fulfilled when Jesus comes and sets up the new heaven and the new earth. The helper will guide us into all this truth. I mean, just think about that for a second. Do you and I, do we even realize how awesome it is to live in the year 2018 and not back at this point in Acts chapter 2 or 3, the beginning. Do you guys realize how much of a benefit that we have over the disciples? Because this helper coming to teach us or to teach the disciples, it took them, roughly scholars think, 30 to 50 more years to get the New Testament. 30 to 50 more years to get the wisdom, to get the understanding, to get the guidance. We got 30 or 50 different translations of the New Testament. It's already here. We we didn't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us repenting and trusting in Christ. It's an incredible advantage that we live in the year 2018. We have the Bible in our hands in our own language. We have the Bibles on our phone. We have the Bibles on our computers. We have the Bibles on TV. We have God's Word, the New Testament, at our fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have all the truth that we need to understand, to love, and to grow in Jesus. It's an incredible, incredible blessing that we have. Earlier, um, I said that Hey, living the Christian life can be hard, right? We know that. But sometimes we make the Christian life harder than it really should be. And and actually, sometimes the the Christian life is actually a fairly simple way to live. Why? Because we have Christ's words. We have all the truth that we need to be led and guided and directed in this world. The helper, the Holy Spirit, guides us by His Word. And if we would obey and read and meditate and study and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Our lives could be a lot easier than sometimes that we make make them. I think in the mundane of our own individual lives, that is true, but I also think in the big picture in society, in the world. If the world would be convicted of their sin and believe in Jesus, all the social issues of our day could be solved. Could be solved. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys believe that this is God's word, his truth, all the truth? And if we would be able by God's grace to follow and to live and to be guided by the Holy Spirit in his word, that poverty would be eradicated? That our immigration system would be cleaned up? That our understanding on marriage and gender would be clear. That the, the, the hatred that we have in this country would be solved. The racism would be no more. Why? Because we'd be following the one who made us, who created us, who's given us all things. 
It begins with us in this church. That could maybe not be a reality around the world, but that could be a reality in our world, that the Holy Spirit would use us as instruments to infiltrate these places, to bring the light and the truth of God's Word that would help solve these issues and make our world a better place to live in. Now, is there going to be dissenters? Yes. Will there be persecution? Yes. But still, we could make a difference because we have the helper and we have his word. Again, it also goes down to just our own lives and, and living out every day in our, again, our own mundane lives that if we would, again, follow and meditate and, and be led by the helper and understand God's word, our lives might not be as hard as they might be right now in our disobedience. So let's turn to God's Word and let let the Helper illuminate us and and guide us and and direct us. Spurgeon said this, a a person who has a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person's life who is not, right? You guys are familiar with that? I've used that one before. So it's the Helper who guides. And finally and quickly, we see fourthly, it's the Helper who glorifies, verses 14 through 15. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, the helper, the Holy Spirit's ultimate goal is to glorify Jesus. That's his, that's his ultimate goal. It's his main focus in life. And the primary way he does that is through declaring, declaring through his word. Spurgeon again said this, that the ministry who makes much of Christ is of the Holy Spirit. And the ministry that decries him, ignores him, or puts him in the background in any degree is not of the Spirit of God. Any doctrine that maligns man but not man's Redeemer, Spurgeon says, away with it, away with it. You know, that's why we go line by line and verse by verse. Because our desire here at the crossing to to glorify God, to, to make everything we do much about Jesus And we know if we didn't follow the Scripture line by line, verse by verse, we could easily drift and become man-centered and just give you principles about life, five ways to make your marriage better, right? Ten ways to find a spouse, etc., and be so man-focused. But by God's grace, we follow and try to follow and just go line by line, verse by verse, so it keeps us focused on Jesus. Because we know how hard and how easy, again, we sing it, how easy for all of us is to prone to wonder and worry about our own lives and not focusing on what truly matters, and that is glorifying God. Because we understand when we glorify God and we live for Him, we get much joy. So when we think about the Helper, the Holy Spirit, one, one define Him as this. He's like the stage director. He's not going to come out and be the main actor on stage. He's not going to be center stage. That's Jesus. His role is to take the spotlight and put it squarely on Jesus. Jesus comes out and the Holy Spirit says, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Jesus Christ. That is the role of the helper. And if the helper lives in you and the helper lives in me, then whatever we do, whether or what, in word or deed, we do it when? To glorify the Lord. So these are the things that the helper does to help us overcome our trouble and our fear in life. One that we have a helper, we have God himself who is in us, who is leading us, who is guiding us, 
who is directing us. He has sealed and secured our salvation. He has convicted us of sin and righteousness of judgment. He guides us by his word, and ultimately he keeps us on the right path of glorifying Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this this clear word. Thank you for your helper. Lord, again, as we sing in that song, we're all prone to wonder. We, We feel it, and left up to ourselves, we would, but by your grace and love, you, you recognize that, so you sent us the third member of the Trinity, the helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide and to direct and to seal and to ultimately one day be reunited with you in heaven. And again, if there's anyone in here that's feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I pray that they would, they would bend their knee to you right now, repent and believe become a child of the king. So when that judgment comes, they will not get justice, but they will get rewarded with heaven, with a room created just for them by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.